Hey, it's Mastin. Welcome to the Mastin Kid Podcast. If you want to take your first step uh, on your trauma-informed journey, come to claimyourpowerbook.com and get my book, Claim Your Power. There are uh, a bunch of awesome free bonuses with that, including a 40-day coaching journey with me that will get you started on your trauma-informed path. Claimyourpowerbook.com. Enjoy. It's awesome. I put my heart and soul into it. And if you want to really start your journey to do your trauma work, claimyourpowerbook.com is the place to go to get my book, claim your power, and to get a bunch of free bonuses, including free coaching with me for 40 days. Please enjoy today's episode. Hello. All right. So we're going to be diving in today deep. We're not going to be able to diagnose specific things necessarily. And even though, even if we could, I don't do diagnoses because I'm a coach. But what we want to realize is that vagal tone and HRV is sort of a real indicator of how you're doing. And we want to understand what is your HRV vagal tone and how is it trending up or down and how is it compared to population norms? Okay. So vagal tone, again, cardiac vagal tone represents the contribution of the parasympathetic nervous system to heart regulation, your ability to regulate your heart and your cardiac system. Okay. And there's an acknowledged link between this phenomena and psychophysiological research, meaning how does your physiology impact your mindset, including self-regulation at cognitive, emotional, social, and health levels. Everything we've been talking about inside the program, right? Relational, social, uh, environmental, affect, somatics, all of it, how all of it is doing is sort of represented by your vagal tone. Does that make sense? Okay. And we want to understand it helps you understand how are you doing? How are you doing? And it's how are you doing in comparison to how you have been doing and how you could be doing? Okay. And so what is heart rate variability? So heart rate variability is sort of a marker for vagal tone. And we define heart rate variability by the Cleveland Clinic. Very basic. It's the amount of time between heartbeats and they fluctuate slightly. So you don't want to have the exact same amount of time between every heartbeat. You want fluctuations. And the more variability you have in your heart rate, the healthier you are, right? If you have a less variable heart, that is sort of an indicator that you're under a lot of stress, heart rate variability, right? So we want to improve or increase heart rate variability over time, okay? And we don't have to get into how to do that. We'll talk about that later. But it's important to understand that we want more variable heart rate responses because that basically means that your nervous system and, and cardio system is more flexible. So you can think about increased heart rate variability as the biomarker of how flexible is your nervous system, how regulated is your nervous system. Does that make sense? And and so an HRV is a measure of of of, of vagal tone in a way. Okay. And so um HRV is able to index cardiac vagal tone. That's what the research is showing. So we look at HRV heart rate variability as a way for us to assess how our system is doing. And I predict in the next 10 years um, that HRV will become more and more important as a marker. And I can tell you into 2023, um, our programs, especially our retreats, are going to be including heart rate variability because what we can do in our retreats and stuff like that is we can measure before and after meditation, how did that impact HRV? Did that put you into a parasympathetic state, a sympathetic state? And sometimes you drop into a sympathetic state because you have stress or good stress. And then the next day you're in a better state, right? So we want to look at 
You can look at, you can measure HRV before and after like a therapy session, before and after a coaching session to see how it's impacting you, right? Before and after a massage. So we want to be able to understand how is your system doing in the moment? Like for example, you may have decreased HRV after a workout because you just stressed your system, but over time that may help improve your HRV in general, right? Does that make sense? Right now, if you go too hard, that could decrease your HRV because you're not getting enough recovery. And HRV numbers um, are really starting to change how athletes and entrepreneurs and people who want to perform at a high level decide to do. And there's a more of a focus now on recovery than just exercise or training. And I track my HRV, and I will literally like look at my HRV. I'll be like, well, I was going to go to Soul Cycle today and probably go on that long hike, and instead, I'm just going to do some long, slow breathing and stretching. Right. So it helps me understand. Mm, I'm starting to tax my system. And I can tell you during launches, during high intense moments, my HRV drops and I try to in, afterwards um, create recovery so that HRV can come back into balance, okay? So it's a way for us to measure stress. So HRV, heart rate variability, is impacted by stress and supports the use of HRV for an objective assessment of psychological health and stress. So that's what the research is showing. This is not just me saying it to you, giving you the research, okay? So basically, we can measure your stress now which I think is so awesome. I think that's really, really cool. Okay. Now, HRV also measures your ability to recover after a stressful event or period. And if you think about the difference between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth, the only difference really physiologically is the trauma that you went through, could you recover or not? Post-traumatic stress is an inability to recover. Post-traumatic growth is an ability to recover. Does that make sense? Okay, if I'm in a post-traumatic stress response, I'm not recovering from what my nervous system and whole system went through. I'm going to say that again. If I'm in post-traumatic stress, I'm not able to recover from what my nervous system has gone through. Okay, if I'm in post-traumatic growth, that's an indicator that my nervous system is recovering. And so when we start to look at like, you know, World War II, for example, you know, a lot of the mindset around World War II and veterans who were in that war, they called it shell shock. They blamed the veterans for not being strong enough without realizing that they overstressed their system. And I mean, World War II was like so, I mean, both the World Wars were so intense, right? But what we have to realize is, especially if you're trying to recover from trauma, okay, or you're trying to regulate your nervous system, is that if you're not giving yourself a chance to recover, you're never going to be regulated, right? And we're so used to carrying such an intense, heavy load of getting through it, having grit and all that stuff that we actually never recover. Who follows? This makes sense. Okay. So also heart rate variability helps us measure stress associated with future events. So when you start to think about what you want to achieve and do and have and become, okay, like we want to realize that HRV will help you understand how capable are you at actually getting there. When you ponder a future event, how does that impact your heart rate variability and your vagal tone? When you have improved vagal tone, when you have a more resilient vagal tone and nervous system in this way, you have a greater capacity to take on greater stress. That's what we're building in emotional fitness, right? Is your capacity to take on more stress and not be taken out in the ways that you have been before. So HRV doesn't just impact how you are now, how it impacts your perceived um, appraisal of how difficult the future will be. I'm going to say that again. HRV helps impact how hard you think the future is going to be to achieve your goals. So if you feel like your goals are really hard and you're feeling super exhausted, there's a degree of reality of that happening in your physiology. 
This is why it drives me crazy when I hear life coaches say, it's only as hard as you want it to be. It's only as easy as you want it to be, right? That is like nonsense, okay? Because what you have to realize is over time, what we'll see is the state of your uh, vagal tone has been impacted physiologically, okay? So it's only as hard as the capacity that your nervous system has, okay? And sure, the way you think about things, the way you perceive things, the way you appraise things has an impact on that. But if we can't be honest about your current capabilities physiologically, I don't, it's like, I don't care how strong you think you are. If you've never lifted a weight in your life, you can't go to a 500 pound weight and say, this is only as strong as I, this is only as heavy as I need it to be, right? It makes no sense. I'm only as strong as I decide to be. I can pick that up, right? So we really want to understand, have more compassion and being more in tune with uh, your HRV and vagal tone. And I would love, 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 love to be able to take some of these coaches and therapists and look at their HRV measurements and see how regulated they actually are, right? To me, that's more, that would be a more important disclosure than their tax documents, right? Are you actually regulated? That would be my question, okay? So when we talk about improving HRV and vagal tone, so we're getting a little more sciencey now, the myelinated vagus, which is basically from sort of your chest and diaphragm up, Okay, that the the dorsal part of the vagus branch is sort of from your diaphragm down. It is non-myelinated. The ventral branch of your vagus nerve is from the diaphragm up. It is myelinated. Okay, and it functions with what's called an active vagal break. So the myelinated vagus, which I won't get into all the mechanisms of action of how this works because it's way too detailed for your for these purposes. But what to realize is the ventral branch of our vagus system has a mechanism that's called the vagal break, which can inhibit or disinhibit how fast your heart is beating. Inhibiting how fast your heart is beating means it would downregulate heart rate. That means if you want to calm down, we want to activate the vagal break. And if you want to be excited or, or if you want to be in sympathetic, we want to it take off the vagal break. Okay. And so we're going to talk about how to do that. So the vagal break, when you know about it and how to use it, can be used to either calm you down or get you going. And like, for example, I'll use my vagal break, like if I'm in a stressful situation to just really calm down, like very quickly within five or 10 minutes. At the same time, in my, uh, I track my uh, heart rate in like soul cycle classes and when I'm exercising, I can improve and increase my heart rate variability by knowing how to breathe properly to increase my heart rate without moving more, which means I can actually work out harder in terms of working my heart out harder based on my breathing patterns, not just my movement patterns. Does that make sense? Does that land for you guys? Yes, no. I'll say it again. A lot of times, especially if you want to have high-intensity interval training, if you want to exercise your, your body, right? We look at heart rate. We want to get that heart rate really high. And we associate getting the heart rate really high with moving a lot, which is certainly important to move a lot to increase your heart rate. But your breathing patterns can also incre- increase or decrease your heart rate. So you can move at a steady amount. And by changing your breathing patterns, increase or decrease your heart rate also. So for example, if I want to get into like the 150s, 160s, when I'm training, I can keep the same movement of like walking or my bike or whatever I'm doing. And depending on how I breathe, I can get my heart rate down with the same type of movement down to like 115, 120 or up to 150, 160 based on breathing. So I could be on my cycle. I could be bicycling or in my soul cycle class. 
doing the same output. And if I change my breathing patterns, I can increase or decrease my heart rate by that much. Who falls? Does that make sense? I'll say it, I'll say it differently. Okay. The same is true just for stress. Okay. So what we realize is the myelinated part of the vagus actively inhibits the sympathetic nervous system. So when the vagal break is on it, you calm down the sympathetic. That's important to say. When the vagal break is on, it calms down the sympathetic. So think about when you're stressed, how are you breathing? What's your body posture? Right? Usually it's shallow breathing and your body posture is not that great, right? So we're going to talk about how to activate the vagal break, but it's important to understand that, you know, as simple as it sounds, the breath is so very important, okay? So when we talk about improving HRV and vagal tone, functionally, okay, the vagal break modulates visceral state, meaning your somatic state, your, your viscera, okay? And enables you to either rapidly engage or disengage from calming or activating behaviors. So depending on how you utilize your vagal break, you can either stress yourself out or calm yourself down in your nervous system, in your body, just based on breath alone, right? Think about this. If I'm hyperventilating and I'm just walking, what do you think I'm gonna get stressed or calm? What do you think? Seems pretty obvious, right? Now, what if I'm doing long, slow exhales while I'm walking? Who thinks that might be more calming? Seems kind of obvious, right? So our breath, when we're intentional about our breath, we can have a major impact on our physiology, okay? So also developmentally, meaning from when we're born and as we age and grow, the number of myelinated vagal fibers in your vagus nerve, okay, increases from about 24 to 28 weeks in gestation until full-term birth when the number of fibers is comparable to those observed in adolescence. So what this basically means is as we're growing, the safety of in utero and the first like few you know months, but certainly first couple of years, will set up your vagus nerve to be able to have resilience or not. So if you're in a stressful situation in utero and when you're younger, the younger you are and more stress, you don't get as resilient of a vagus nerve wiring for the for the for the myelinated part. Okay. So that that's why some of us are more susceptible to stress than others, because some of us have a better ability to regulate our nervous system because we had we were set up from birth differently. We were born into the world with a greater capacity to calm ourselves or not, or less capacity. Hey, it's Mastin. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And before we wrap up, if you found value in this, one of the best ways to get this trauma-informed information to the world, if that's something that you want to do and to be a part of spreading the word, I would be so very grateful if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts so that uh, you can review this. And hopefully it's a good review, but please leave an honest review. And especially if you want to leave a five-star review, I would be super stoked on that. But of course, just make it honest. But my goal is to share more trauma-informed information with the world. And I need your help to spread this information and reviews matter. So if you feel called to do that, would very much appreciate it. If you got value from this episode and from this podcast, we very much appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for hearing me out. And if you feel called, please leave a review on Apple or Spotify, and we'll see you in the next episode.